In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. That is the promise. I will give you rest. It is the direct result of accepting the invitation, come to me. I'll attempt a definition. To rest in Christ is to slow down to a complete stop. Get out of the driver's seat and let Jesus do the driving. Allow him to take you where you would not go, where you could not go alone. This is not a new concept. 700 years before Jesus gave this, his invitation, Isaiah called out to those running away from the holy city, abandoning the temple of God's presence, saying, In returning and in rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Those addressed refused the invitation and spurred their horses toward imagined safety in Egypt. Jesus, in gentleness and humility of heart, says, Come to me. But we, convinced that performance counts, that we can go it alone, decide it's safer to trust in our own abilities. Thanks. But I'm too busy right now. I just bought a piece of property. I, I need to take a look at it. Or, uh, sorry, uh, no time. Uh, we're remodeling the kitchen. This is the tyranny of the urgent in which habitual non-essentials displace the life-giving foundations of being. But accepting the rest of Jesus offers that the rest that Jesus offers is a bit overwhelming. It involves our whole self. It is a body and soul receptivity, a willingness to follow gentle Jesus in his humble acceptance of the Father's will, accepting the persistent invitation of Jesus means finding the place finding the time, changing up the routine, turning from all evasions and excuses, and sitting down for a face-to-face. -face. I shut the door. I put the book down. I let the tension in my limbs begin to dissipate. I breathe deeply. Okay, I say, I'm here, now what? Nothing really comes the response. I just wanted to be with you. Another way to understand this acceptance of Jesus' invitation to rest is as submission to the law of creation, the law of Sabbath keeping, the law of honoring God for having completed the task, but speaking in terms of law, we heard Paul say today, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members 
another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. We have all felt this pull of the contrary law in our members, the deep resistance to the law of love that we desire to live by. We have even felt an inner impatience at the voice of Christ in us, inviting us to rest in him. Our mind tells us to accept the invitation, to be still and to know. But there is another law working against that call, making it impossible to sit still or to listen for the still small voice for even a few minutes. To do so feels too much like wasting time. We could get stuck on Paul's Romans 7 conundrum in which he feels his own wretchedness, but out of nowhere, he breaks through his circular thinking and suddenly gives thanks for freedom in Christ. It's as if he remembers there is a greater law overriding the law of his body and cause it, that causes sin and self-condemnation that comes with it. We can feel the relief and exaltation in Paul's words as he bursts out with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The joy and thanksgiving of Paul here is not unlike the joyful outburst of Jesus when in today's gospel he abruptly prays aloud, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. What has the Father revealed to little children? Is this the revelation? That our constant frustration that comes from trying to follow the law is over. The rest that we long for has arrived. We can quit passing judgment upon ourselves and others, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In the words of the psalmist, our soul has escaped as a bird from the, from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are delivered. As Paul moves from Romans 7 and 8, he is revealing the internal, he, he is revealing the eternal movement of this internal movement of the Spirit of God in the mind of the believer by showing us what's going on in his own mind. The writer of Hebrews understood the work of the Spirit that Paul is going through and it exhorted us with these paradoxical words, labor to enter into his rest. 
And in so saying, he returns us to the paradoxical exhortation of Jesus, who urges us to join him in the work of entering his rest, saying, take my yoke upon you. Children of God, we believers in Jesus live in the world of paradox in which law is not law and labor becomes rest when we are yoked like an ox with Jesus. In this system, the royal law of love is performed for us by the king of love becoming a beast of burden. This is the one whom Zechariah proclaims, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. Richard Hooker, 16th century Anglican theologian, comes to the conclusion that God himself is the law of life in that all the laws of nature and morality were in him before he created the universe. The universe was flung out of the Trinity through the one word who, by whom and in whom and for whom all things were created. All things, writes Hooker, are therefore partakers of God. They are his offspring, his influence is in them, and the personal wisdom of God is for that very cause said to excel in nimbleness and agility, to pierce into all intellectually pure and subtle spirits, to go through all, and to reach unto everything which is. To me... This implies that we as God's creation and made in him his image touch this ineffable law which is God most nearly in the stillness of our inner being. This is the law more precious than gold, sweeter also than honey of the honeycomb the perfect law of love which is the universally unheard voice that goes out through all the earth, even to the end of the world, which comes forth like a bridegroom emerging from his chamber and like a strong man runs his course with joy and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Walking in the prairie, an indigo bunting flew into my peripheral vision and landed on a branch. To paraphrase Christian Wyman, some utterances are too intrinsic to be speech. Christ is both the means and the meaning of all matter. Hooker again. Our son, soundest knowledge is to know that we know him. Our safest eloquence concerning him is our silence. We confess without confession that his glory is inexplicable, his greatness above our capacity to reach, 
He is above and we are upon earth, and therefore it behooves our words to be wary and few. Jesus, as our rest, has made a resting place at his altar for the little sparrows to make their nests. And does not the Father consider you to be greater than one of these? Jesus, who declared himself to be the true temple of God by saying, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, has chosen us to be his resting place because by grace we have chosen him to be our resting place. He who is the law has delivered us from the law by becoming the law written in our hearts. Of course, this sermon will not make us into kinder, humbler, more compassionate, Christ-like people that we long to be. That only comes from habitually accepting the invitation. Within the depth of the temple, which is Christ in our body, is the holy place. Within the holy place is the holiest place. Within the holiest place is the ark of the covenant promise, and within the ark are the stone tablets representing the whole law of God. We are the container that hold, holds God's presence in our bodies, in the very center of our being. God shines forth in the fullness of glory. No wonder, Augustine said, our whole business in this life is to promote the health of the eye of the heart with which we see God. When the eye of our heart opens up to these truths, we are seeing God. We are realizing our own divinization. Open my eyes, O Lord that I may see the wonders of your law. Let us then rest in him. There is nothing else to live for. <laughs>